Hey, Mama. I know getting meals on the table for your family can feel tough, especially finding weeknight-friendly meals that everyone in the family will love. There's a good chance it's why you're here, at least I hope so. Helping moms take the stress out of feeding their family is my biggest passion. It's why I share with you here, and it's why I created the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. If you've ever wished this podcast came with a weekly done-for-you dinner plan with a shopping list and meal prep tips, or maybe a recipe library with over 200 family-friendly recipes, cooking tips, how-tos, and hacks, well, it does, and it's all in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club over on Patreon. Starting at just $3 a month for access to our 200-plus recipe vault with printable PDF recipes, or $5 a month for weekly done-for-you dinner plans, plus the recipe vault and bonus podcasts every month, the Healthy Mama Cooking Club is the dinnertime solution you're looking for. Head to patreon.com slash healthymamachris or click the link in the show notes to try it out for a week free and join over 130 other busy mamas making weeknight meals work with the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. I can't wait to see you in there. All right, let's get on with the episode. And as like the next morning I woke up and I was like, this cannot be my life. Like this cannot take the priority over my relationships. And that was a day that I really decided to change. Living a healthy, balanced life as a mom can sometimes feel impossible. With tiny mouths to feed, butts to wipe, and so many things vying for our attention, it can be easy to feel like we're in an on-again, off-again relationship with healthy living. But it doesn't have to feel this way. I believe every mom is a super mom, and you deserve to feel like one too, and you don't have to go on another diet to do it. Join me, Kristen Dovniak, holistic nutritionist and certified intuitive eating counselor for conversations on what it means to live a healthy, balanced life. I want to help you uncomplicate eating, improve your relationship with food, and live like the supermama I know you are. Hey friends, Kristen here. Welcome back to the Healthy Balanced Mama podcast. I have a really awesome guest for you today. I'm sure many of you will be familiar with her, but Taylor Kaiser is the blogger, recipe developer, photographer, and general mess maker behind the blog Food Faith Fitness. Her blog aims to show that eating healthfully does not have to equal bland and boring. It can be easy to make and totally delicious. Taylor believes in living a balanced life with Christ at the center. After recovering from an eating disorder and finding freedom with food and movement, it is Taylor's life mission to help other women find the same. When she isn't blogging, you can find Taylor at the gym, her Bible study, or just snuggling up on the couch with her husband and doggy watching the Food Network. Taylor also has not-so-secret obsessions with all things peanut butter, cookie dough, even better when they're together, pink and leopard print. Taylor and I had a really incredible conversation. We really dug in to talking about something that I think both of us are really passionate about. And it's this idea that food freedom doesn't necessarily mean just eating whatever you want, whenever you want, in whatever amount, but it's learning what really truly feels good in your body and finding freedom in both eating foods that nourish our body and honor our bodies, but also eating foods that are fun and the importance of choice. We talked a lot about the importance of choosing your hard, whether you're choosing the hard journey of working towards intuitive eating or choosing the hard journey of being stuck in this dieting and restriction cycle. We talked about her journey to finding food freedom, her journey with hypothalamic amenorrhea. We talked about the importance of taking time off from the gym and that you can still enjoy fitness and still live um, a 
a, a free life, a life that is free of restriction and what wellness without obsession really means. So we had a great conversation. I'm so excited for you to listen to this. So let's go ahead and dig into my interview with Taylor of Food Faith Fit. Hey, Taylor, welcome to the Healthy Balanced Mama podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. I am so excited to chat with you today. I think we have a really great topic or a couple of topics I'm so excited to dig into and I think the listeners are really going to love. Um, But I would love if you could just start by just sharing who you are, if they don't already know what you do and what brought you here today with where you are in your food journey. Sure. So I'm Taylor and I, I'm a food blogger. That's kind of how I started. I started making like better for you recipes. I did like a lot of special diet stuff. Um, so I started that about, oh, it's been seven years ago, which makes me a dinosaur in blog world <laughs> ever. Um, and then just over the past year, so I guess I'll zoom back out. So when I was a teenager, I had an eating disorder um, and I was hospitalized and all that kind of thing. And then I recovered. But then throughout my 20s, so like 10 years ago, um, I just really kind of started struggling again. Like I was never like sick enough to be in the hospital or anything, but just really struggled with disordered eating and um, a really poor relationship with food in my body. And I just kind of really struggled with that. And that's how I started my blog because I was kind of going through this disordered eating and special diets. And that's kind of when my blog started to come out of that fixation with food and making my body look a certain way. And then just the past year, I was just like, this is not the way God wants me to live. You know, I'm a Christian, which I know we're going to talk about later. Um, And it was just really affecting my relationship with my husband and myself. And I had just gotten really tired of the 10 year struggle. Um, And so I decided to finally just make the recovery. And I did. And that, of course, changed my whole perspective around food. And um, so now I am sort of sharing that perspective on my blog and kind of going away from the special diet so much. And now I talk about more about food freedom on a different Instagram that I have and help women um, really heal their relationship with food in their body. I love that. And I love our stories are very similar in that I also had an eating disorder back in kind of high school, early college. And then I know a lot of my listeners who have been listening for a while have already know that. But then I I was kind of on that same path where I went into my 20s being like, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm just being healthy. But then it's so easy to kind of take that a little bit too far. So. Do you feel like there was like a pivotal moment of clarity for you in your journey um, where you're maybe taking healthy a bit too far and realizing that something needed to change? 100%. I had like what I call my like rock bottom moment and I actually vividly remember it. It was um, me and my husband were like doing a date night in and we wanted to make our own homemade pasta and we were drinking wine and all this kind of thing. And then we were at the grocery store and he was like putting groceries in the cart and it was like carbs and like white flour and like butter. And I was like super scared about it. And then I remember like that night, because I, I, I was making the pasta, he just does a good job of like drinking wine and stirring, like, you know, I was cooking. So um, I remember that night, I remember like I made the pasta like not work. So I like wouldn't have to eat it. Like I made it mess up and I just like cried the whole night going to bed. Like I remember going to bed crying. Like I couldn't even enjoy this fun date night, like drinking wine with my husband. I had to make it like screw up so we didn't have to eat it. And I was just like the next morning I woke up and I was like, this cannot be my life. Like this cannot take the priority over my relationships. And that was a day that I really decided to change. That's so powerful. I think it's so important to bring to light that these struggles that we have with our food 
it's not just an internal struggle. It is an ultimately an internal struggle, but it can really affect all different areas of our life. And I think that's one of the most important parts of finding freedom with food is being able to live this big life that we want to live and have those deep relationships with people and enjoy every part of life, like having date nights with our husbands. And yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, of course. So you have this beautiful Instagram and business, your food blog, Food Faith Fit. And now you mentioned your, you have a second Instagram too, Food Faith Free, all about your food freedom journey. So what really, I mean, I guess you kind of shared this a little bit, but what made you want to start Food Faith Fit? And then as you journeyed through finding food freedom, why did you decide to then start Food Faith Free? So I started Food Faith Fit because, I mean, as a blogger, like, you have to have Instagram. It's just, like, what you have to do, right? So I started it to share the recipes that I was creating. And that's really how it stayed for probably when did Instagram started. I don't know, five years ago. It was really just food, recipes, healthy stuff that I wanted to, like, kind of be an extension of the blog um, and to use it as promotion for that. And then after I healed, I was like, well, this isn't really representative. Like, I still believe in eating healthy, which I know we're going to talk about. And I still love the recipes that I create. But I really wanted to weave my intuitive eating, the food freedom that I found, messaging in with my Instagram. And I started to do it on my Food Faith Fit account for a little bit. And it just, to me, it just started to feel very like, I don't know, it was hard. It felt like it was two parts of my business, like food freedom and recipes. I know they work together, but it just felt like very, because I don't share a lot of food freedom on my blog, because my blog really is just a hub for recipes. So it just kind of felt like disjointed. But I really wanted to share my food freedom message because I knew a lot of women were really resonating with that. And I was getting a lot of DMs that people were really loving this new way that I was going. So I made the choice to kind of separate the two because I feel like although they're related, they are different. Um, So that's kind of why I started Food Faith Free because I actually am a lot more lit up by helping women heal their relationship with food in their body now that I am with recipes. I still love food, but it's definitely not as important to me now that I have food freedom. Um, So I just think I didn't want to nix it. But I also wanted to separate the two, which is why there's now two. I love that you have both of these aspects to your business, though, because they are both important. And we were chatting a little bit before we started recording about how food really can be a joyful part of our life, but it is so important to find that freedom in it. So it's not just about the food, but it's so I love that you have both of those parts to your journey and you're kind of weaving them in together, but you also you also have those really awesome resources. So if women want to find your recipes or they really want to dig into into food freedom. And one of the parts of your business and um, really, really just one of the parts of you that I find um, so unique and such an important part of what you're passionate about is that you're a Christian. And as a fellow Christian, I really love to always bring faith into the conversation when we talk about wellness and, you know, because it really is about wellness in every area and finding freedom in every area. So, and that includes our spiritual, that's our, our faith and our spirituality. So how did your faith play a role in your healing journey with food specifically? Were there any like scriptures you hung on to during your recovery? How did that really play a role for you? So many scriptures. I have what's, I have what I call a scripture journal that I made like, and like 20 scriptures that really spoke to me. And I still repeat them to myself every single morning. They're like by memory. So I love like Matthew 6, 25, which says, don't, don't worry about our bodies. We'll eat or drink. Um, I love uh, fearfully and wonderfully made. I actually have that tattooed to my bicep so I can read it every day. Um, just like I have so many scriptures. I could like probably spend the whole podcast just telling you about scriptures, but really faith was honestly integral to my recovery. Cause 
I've been a Christian my whole life. Like, of course, I've wavered, like, as normal, you know, normal people in high school and such. But really, when I was struggling with food, I really told myself that God was super important to me, yada, yada, yada. But once I really realized that I needed to make a change, I really had to look at my faith and see, like, is what I'm saying actually, like, actions speak louder than words. I know it's, like, super, super cliche, but it, it's true. And the way that I was living and not thinking about God, not even spending time in the morning with him because I had to go to the gym, like, all these things really pointed that my faith was not strong. And I also just kind of was thinking about, you know, when I was thinking about doing this change, um, God wants us to, you know, respect our temples, which, of course, means nourish it and exercise and all these things. But I also think what's more important is the relationship that we have with our temples, um, more important than, you know, eating clean, quote unquote, or exercising. And I just realized that I was not really taking care of my temple and I was not looking to God um, at all in my recovery. It's almost like I prayed for him to take it all away, but I wasn't spending time trying to have a relationship with him. So, of course, like that doesn't really go together to just pray what pray like what I want, but then not spend any time getting to know like the healer. So the, one of the biggest things I did was when I was recovering, I quit the gym completely for almost a year. And during that time that the hour that I would normally work out, I spent like in the word. And I feel like that really set me up for true healing because I don't, we can heal our body, but if we don't heal our, heal our mind spiritually, the healing and the recovery doesn't stick. So really seeking that first in God was really integral to my like full healing. Oh, so good. I I remember having a similar experience in my recovery where I think I realized how much time I was spending thinking about food and thinking about my workouts versus the time I was spending in the word versus the time I was spending with God. I think that's so encouraging and maybe convicting for the woman who's listening yep. who goes, oh my gosh, I'm not spending the the amount of time I want to be spending with him, him who he who really can help me in my healing journey more than more than anyone, more than any, you know, anyone I can follow on Instagram as much as Instagram yes. is awesome or blogs I can read or books I can take in. We really have to go to the source of, of healing. So I think that's that's so powerful that you took that hour and you used it in in such a such an important way. I love that. Um, I would love to have you send me a couple of those scriptures too. And because I would love to post those in the in the show notes because I think having something to hang on to, to having those scriptures at the ready. I love that you got Fearfully and Wonderfully Made tattooed on you too. What an important reminder all day long. <laughs> having yes, that oh, right. For sure. yeah. I feel like those scripture verses were like really what I went to like when I was having negative thoughts or whatever because like the power of changing our mindset is just huge. And like when my brain was thinking, oh, calories or like whatever, like fearful, I could just go to that scripture. And of course it didn't always work, but a lot of times it just really helped, I guess, flip the script on that thought. And that's really like one of the most important parts of recovery, I feel like. Yeah, totally. His words are never going to change and nope. we can definitely hang on those. Oh, totally. I love that. So something that you mentioned when you were kind of talking about how important it is to, it's important to honor our temples. It's also important to honor our relationship with our temples. But I wanted to dig into something that we actually got chatting about over on Instagram last week or the week before, I think it was. All the days run into each other these days. <laughs> um, but something I think that both of us are really passionate about, um, aside from our faith, is that... This idea of food freedom, a lot of people think that it means just eating whatever you want, whenever you want, in whatever amount, right? And I think yep. that a lot of what we see on Instagram is just this 
permission to eat. Just eat all the things. Just eat donuts all day. You'll be fine. (laughs) But it's so much more than this. And I think that what we had kind of chatted about was that this whatever approach sometimes leaves women feeling overwhelmed and then out of control around food. And maybe like they're not honoring their bodies anymore. And they're like, so what am I doing? And then they kind of ditch intuitive eating altogether. And then they go back into this cycle of restriction or wherever they were before. So I'm wondering if you could kind of expand on this a little bit and what food freedom really means. So I think food freedom is really having, like, you really make the choices about what you eat. It's not like, I feel like when you don't have food freedom, like, you think you're making the choices, but it's really, like, fear making the choices. So maybe fear of, like, what a donut might mean, so you eat the salad or um, all those kinds of things. But you're honestly consciously making the choices. And sometimes you are choosing food. I mean, a lot of the times, typically, what I found in my recovery and the woman that I work with and such you're making choices based on taste, yes, but also physical comfort and how a food is going to make your body feel and how it's going to make you feel nourished and energetic and all these things. Um, but sometimes you do choose based food based off of like mental comfort. So maybe you want to go eat, eat a donut with your husband on a Saturday morning. And you know you're not necessarily going to feel amazing after because it's a donut, but you do it because it nourishes your soul. So it's kind of like I said, having that choice between both and knowing that you're allowed to choose foods that are nourishing, of course, as long as you like them. Um, and that's okay. That doesn't mean that you're doing recovery wrong. That's something I struggled with when I was recovering. I was like, well, I naturally want to eat these foods that made me feel good most of the time. So is that making, is that making me do it wrong? Because I'm not eating like sugar all day long, but I really don't think so because I think food freedom is really not just about food, but it's about life and it's about living your life. And you want to be able to show up for your life in a way that is big and energetic and bold. And if we're constantly just eating cookies all day long, like we're not going to have energy to go and live our life and to experience it and to be really, you know, present with the people that we're with and loving on them because we're still, we're not feeling great. So we're choosing foods that are going to really um, make our life empowered and big most of the time. Um, and so being cognizant of those things is part of food freedom, if that makes sense. It totally makes sense. I'm so glad we can have this conversation because I think that's that's really a place where a lot of women get stuck is feeling like I'm, they're doing it wrong, just like you said, because they're they want to choose these foods that make them feel good. So I know some of the things we talked about were like your cauliflower oats, just putting cauliflowers in your oats makes yeah. you feel good. It's a great way to get in some more veggies. Like there's nothing there's nothing wrong with choosing foods that make us feel good. I drink green smoothies all the time, and yep. I know. Um, We talked about both of us having, you know, hate, quote unquote, (laughs) overeating some of these healthy foods or just questions. I've gotten questions from people like, how can you drink green smoothies and still have food freedom? And it's like, well, I'm not drinking the green smoothie because I feel like I have to drink the green smoothie. I'm drinking it because it makes me feel good. And that's part of my food freedom is knowing that I can eat whatever I want, but I'm choosing this because it feels good. Right. I always say it's less about the what you eat and more about the why. Exactly like you said. Like, I don't put cauliflower in my oats because I think I have to because I have to eat vegetables. I do it because it makes my my body feel good and I like it. It's like I don't, you know, eat Kodiak cakes at home because I think I have to. I like it and it makes my body feel good. So it's really just examining your mentality around why you're choosing the food. Yeah, totally. It really, it really is about the mindset and finding that balance there. So, I'm wondering then, so how would, if the woman who is listening, who's like, okay, I want to 
honor my body and I want to eat nourishing foods and eat foods that feel good um, as well as have this food freedom. But how do how do I determine what is healthy and what is obsessive? How do you kind of determine that fine line? So how does this health and nutrition kind of play this role in food freedom? So I think it really does go back to what I just said, like the what um, and like the, it's less about the what more about the why. So it's really examining your choice. Like if you're going out for dinner and you're ordering a salad, really think like, is this truly what I want or is this what I think I should eat? So really banishing those like shoulds and I can't eat this or I have to eat this and seeing if those pieces are kind of playing a part in your food choices. And if you truly authentically can say, no, they're not. I generally just want to eat this. This sounds great. Like that's a very healthy choice and that's normal. So it's really just examining your mentality and your reasoning behind things I think is really like, the differentiation, which can be confusing to women at first, and it's not something that you just learn overnight, um, but just really keeping tabs on that is really important. Yeah, I'm glad you made that point because it does take time. It is There's definitely, I think, this phase, and I want to talk about that too, kind of in the early stages of finding this food freedom where we are allowing ourselves permission to eat all foods, and we might choose foods that don't make us feel good more often just because we need to we need to feel that freedom that we might not have had for so long so what would you say to this woman who's like nervous maybe that she's gonna allow herself permission to eat all food she wants to start moving towards food freedom but she is afraid she's gonna feel out of control around food so i think the one thing that we need to think about like a lot lot of women they fear that they're going to be out of control but like one thing if we really think about it we actually are kind of already out of control because food is controlling us and I know I felt like I always I was the one controlling food but really everything I did was controlled by what the food was going to be what I was going to eat so just really flipping that mindset to being like well we're actually already being controlled could be a really powerful thing and the second thing is it's really about trusting your body and trusting your process, trusting the process, which is very scary and confusing. One thing I always say to women is if you go through this process and you find for some reason that you're not starting to crave more nourishing foods eventually, which I've never, ever, ever found to be the case. And I imagine it's probably the same with you. You can go back. Like I know this is like maybe sounds counterintuitive, but you can make the choice. If you really hate life as a free woman, you can go back to restriction. And I've never, ever, 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 ever had a woman wanting to go back. But knowing that we have the choice if we want to is almost like freeing. And then we go through the process and we don't want to go back to being controlled, of course. Um, But that's kind of what I typically say. I don't know if that's helpful. Oh, it's so helpful. Choice is so powerful. That's something I know that I talk with clients a lot about is that you have the choice to restrict or you have the choice to have freedom. And neither of them is going to be easy. But you kind of choose your heart. (laughs) You choose working through that food freedom or you choose like the difficulty of being restricted and feeling controlled like by food rather than maybe that short period of feeling a little bit out of control and then really finding that, you know, balance, so to speak. And I know I'm the Healthy Balance Mama podcast, but I do believe that balance isn't static. There is no one type of balance, but that is what we find is we find that space where we can make positive choices around food, but it does kind of take that, take that time to, to work through it, but we have that choice. Yeah, I like what you said about choose your heart, because I say it all the time, like, it's scary to stay stuck in like restriction. And it's really scary to find food freedom. But staying stuck in restriction leads to not being fulfilled. And working towards food freedom, typically, you know, 99.999% of the time leads to a really fulfilling life. So do it scared, you know? Yeah, totally. 
I remember how much time, like just looking back, I would spend, especially when I was in my phase of kind of, you know, like counting calories and macros and all that, like how much time I would spend before each and every meal, like calculating things and just like making sure I could fit everything in or that I adjusted things if I did a workout or so many silly things. And I'm like, I look back and I try not to have regrets about it because I know it's just, I mean, know that, you know, God used that to help me help other women, right? That my story is important and here for a reason so I can help other women break free from that just I'm sure it's similar for you but I'm like I spent so much time doing that like I have all this extra time now I'm not worrying about food or counting or tracking things and I can spend that time doing the things that are important to me and not worrying about food anymore or being controlled by it (laughs) and a mental like just the mental space of being able to be present on date night not like physically present but I was never like mentally present so I was always worried about the calories or whatever so actually being able to like invest in actual relationships has been like a, a life changer as well Yes. Yeah. I love that you, you mentioned date night a couple times. And one of the things I know that, that came up for me and one of the things that I find really just, just fun about having this food freedom is that I don't ever look at menus anymore. Yes. Like we just kind of choose where we want to go or what we want to do. And I look at the menu when I get there and it's so fun. Yes. Yeah. Well, I hope the woman listening is understanding like how, how, what food freedom kind of looks like and how really, truly freeing it can be and fun it can be for food to not be the main thing, but also be something that um, is important and does help us live this life that we want to live, but it doesn't need to be everything. Yeah, it should complement our life. It shouldn't be our life. Yeah, Absolutely. So there's something else that I wanted to kind of dig into along the same lines, but a little bit more on the side of fitness because you are food faith fit. Um, And I know that you are also passionate about fitness, as am I. I love to work out. I love to run. I love to try new things. I love to try new classes at the gym. But I do think it's hard, especially when you're coming to this place of food freedom. If you've been in a place of restriction with food, oftentimes a woman will find herself in a place of restriction with exercise too, or over-exercising. So you mentioned that you took almost a year off from working out. What was that like? And what did that kind of teach you in your, in your food freedom journey? So, yeah, so I was never like one of those women that like, you know, exercise a hundred times a day. I, but I, I was very like healthy in the way I exercise in terms of like how much I did, but the men- the mentality around it was not healthy. Like the couple days I did work out a week, it had to happen. Like I couldn't miss it. It was all about the calorie burn, all these things. Because like you, I love to work out. Like I am a certified personal trainer as well. I think you said that you are too when we were chatting before. So I love it. But I realized that when I was healing this journey, like um, if I really wanted full freedom, I didn't want like that quasi recovery like a lot of women have where they're better, but they're still like obsessed with exercise or they're like, counting calories or anything. I needed to heal my relationship, not just with food, but with exercise as well. So that's why I took my nine months. I also lost my period for 10 years. So part of that is um, reducing stress on your body to get that back. And exercise is a stressor. So that was also part of my choice. Um, so giving it up was very challenging because, like I said, it was hard for me to wrap around the fact that I was only exercising, you know, four times a week. That's That should be what a healthy person does, all these things. And I loved it. Um, and at first it was really, really hard because I felt like I was losing a piece of me, like almost like the fit girl, the girl that like did lots of squats and deadlifted heavy and all these things. And I kind of lost, felt like I was losing my identity. But the more that I just didn't go to the gym, the more I became okay with it. And the more I feel like I found who I truly was, like the true tailor who wasn't just about fitness and 
doing squats and deadlifts and stuff. And the more I became okay, like maybe I won't ever go back. Um, and that's actually when I knew that I could go back when I knew that if I never went, if I went back to the gym and I hated it for some reason, I would be okay. Like I wouldn't die. But that part took me a long time. I'd say that probably happened within four or five months. And then I took a total of nine months off the gym. And what I really learned was that we are not how we exercise and we're not how we eat. Like, like I said, I really found myself through this time. And I also found exercise is great and it's really, you know, awesome for us and good and it's healthy, but it doesn't have, doesn't have as much impact on our body shape as we think. Um, because I thought when I gave it up, I'd probably gain like a million pounds and that didn't happen. Um, so it was very freeing for me to see like, why did I spend 10 years of my life stressing if I missed one workout when I missed nine months of workouts and nothing bad happened. So it definitely has given me a lot more freedom just for the future. If I want to go on a weekend date or go on vacation, I will be very okay missing the gym. I really love that you mentioned that you didn't want to be in this place of like the quasi recovery where you're still obsessing over one thing. Cause I think that it is easy to still have that thing that we hang on to, whether it is like, oh, well, I have food freedom. I can eat anything I want, but I'm still going to count calories to make sure I am quote unquote on track. Yeah, <laughs> or exactly. I'm still going to make sure that I like, I have to work out this many days a week and I have to do this type of workout. I think it is so important sometimes to take that step back and just like you said realize that our identity isn't in this it's not in the way we work out or how many times we work out or the you know being the fit girl our identity is it is it's in god ultimately and who we are is who he made us to be not what we've decided we are in terms of fitness or you know food or any of that so i love that you shared that and you've shared it quite a bit on an instagram too and i think it's really powerful for women to hear that like it's okay to take some time off of working out (laughs) i know in this season for myself I love running, like I said, and typically I do. I did a marathon last year, and this year it was just totally not the season for me. I was like, I just, I don't have the time. I know that because my life has gotten busier, it would be way too stressful on my body. And thankfully, I'm in that place now where I'm like, I still ran over the summertime, but then it's gotten a little bit colder now as we come into like the winter season. And I'm not running outside anymore and I don't love running on the treadmill. I'll do it sometimes. And there's other workouts that I like to do and I'll do them when I feel like I want to move my body. And, and think that's pretty often I work out a couple times a week, a few times a week because it feels good, but I take a lot of days off just because that's kind of what I'm feeling like now. It's just, I'm kind of feeling like hunkering down a little bit more, going on a lot more walks. And I, there was maybe three or four years ago, I would never have imagined that this would be possible for me to just wake up and be like, it's okay. I'm just going to go for a walk or I'm not going to do anything at all. (laughs) Totally. Me too. Because I was always like so obsessive. And now it's like, I mean, I I went back to the gym about a month and a half ago, month and a half ago. I'm still going slow because I'd want to, you know, trust my body and allow it to actually not like freak out because I, you know, I've been taking so much time off, but I'm the same way. Like now if I go to yoga and like the class is closed, I'm like, oh, well, I guess I'll just go home and watch Netflix or something like that. And that would have like sent me into a tailspin before. I'd be like, oh, my gosh, I missed a workout. This is terrible. So I'm the same way. I feel like I think that some women feel like that feel like that. They're like, well, that's great for them. That will never happen for me. But I think we're proof that we also felt like that will never happen for me. And it did. So you really have to believe in yourself and trust the process. Yeah, you do have to trust the process and know that you will. You will come to this space where 
it's not that big a deal, but we still love it and we still do it. It doesn't have to be an all or nothing. You can still love fitness. You can still love working out and moving your body, but it doesn't need to be something that turns into a must do all the time, a chore or something that feels obsessive. It really can be something that's, that's joyful. Totally. So something that you mentioned, and we didn't really talk about talking about this, but if you're if you're willing to talk about it, I would love to talk a little bit about your hypothalamic amenorrhea journey and how yeah. how did that play a role in finding food freedom and taking the time off from from exercise? I know this is something that you know as women, a lot of us. I know that when I was like years and years ago, when I was an early teen, I lost my period when I had my eating disorder when I was a teenager, um, and I I know that I just wished it away. I was like, "This is terrible! Like, I don't want this ever to happen." And so when it went away, I you know I was a teenager. I was like sixteen, seventeen. I was like, "Well, this is great. I don't have to deal yeah. with this every month." But really, truly, it's a it's a sign of health. So how did that kind of play a role in your in your journey? I think that was also that was like one of the really big instigators of my journey because, like I said, I had lost my period for like ten years. So that's a very long time, um, and I'm I'm 29 now, so I lost it probably around like 19 or 18. And I just I I was always like you. I was like, well, I don't want to have babies. Like we don't have any desire to have any children. And I was like, well, I don't really need a period. But then when I was like just going through all these things, I was like, you know, it's probably not healthy for a woman who's almost 30 to have not have a period. So I really started researching on it. And like I started researching all like the terrible things that like, you know, osteoporosis and you know, brain health and all these things that are our, 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 like our hormones and our periods are really significant of. And it's not just about having babies. And I was like, well, this is not good. I don't want to break a hip at 40 because I wanted to be skinny when I was 20. Like, that's kind of silly. So that was, I think that was really the biggest um, driver of my recovery is wanting to get my period back just for the just the, for the very reasons of health. I don't love, I mean, it's back now and I don't love bleeding every month, but I love knowing that my body is healthy. Um, and I think that so many women just, I think so many women deal with this and they don't talk about it because as I've opened up, opened up about it, I get so many DMs about people who have lost their period. And I think it's something that really just needs to be talked about um, because it is so important to a woman's functioning body. It is so important. And I don't think I realized the importance of it until much later as well. And I had a, an, an interesting experience that I, I think I've talked about. I've definitely talked about it on the podcast. I had um, the women from uh, Zesty Ginger on earlier talking about cycle syncing. Um, it was, oh gosh, I can't remember the episode, but I can post it in the <laughs> in the show notes. But um, they, we kind of chatted about... Um, just how important the female cycle is. And I remember being like 18, 19, when I was kind of in the early stages of kind of getting ready to recover from my eating disorder. And my doctor is saying, you might never be able to have kids. And I didn't want kids at the time. And I do have two kids now. That was just kind of a decision I made a few years later after I got married. But I was like, whatever, it doesn't matter. And eventually I did get it back and thankfully I recovered and but later on in my journey I did end up losing it again after I did a fitness competition and it was then when I started researching and realizing what an important marker of our female health is like it's something that it's something that God um, gave us (laughs) as part of our just you know as a part of our physiology as a woman and when it's not working correctly it's a it's a good signal that something's out of balance so and I don't think that it's talked about enough because it is something that we view as something like oh it's just a bother every month and I agree I don't love it but every time it happens I'm like wow (laughs) this is good this is something good it's showing that my body is recovered and healed and working like it's meant to so I'm glad that we got to chat about that 
Yeah, I mean, I always text my husband. I'm like, I got my period. He's like, that's great. Like, I'm like always like always having little period parties like every month, even though it's like not exciting anymore. But it's something that we need to celebrate. And I do think people are talking about it more. But like you said, some people think like, oh, it's a nuisance or it's gross or it's like, but it's not. It's really just like a sign of health. So. It is. I love that you talk to your husband about it, too, because I know that. So I have PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian okay. syndrome. So my periods have been irregular, like, since I was, since I, like, first got my period when I was a preteen. And so, like, now that it's actually regular, now that I'm really, truly healed from all of my eating issues and, and my PCOS is under control and all that. So I'll let him know <laughs> when I get it. And he's like, so how many days was it this time? <laughs> Too. My husband's a doctor too, so that doesn't gross him out, right? Yeah. But like the same way, it's like, how's your luteal phase? Like all these things. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so funny. That's so funny. But I think it's important that we have, I mean, not everyone has a partner who's that supportive of them in their journey. And so I think it's it's really incredible when we do. Um, but it's I think it's important to be open with them if they are comfortable with it. We can we can bring our husbands along in our in our journeys, whether it's with food freedom oh, or you know, and even if even if we don't have a partner like that, having friends and other women that we can talk to about these things, I think is is important to have that support system because even the little silly things like celebrating our period when we're in this stage of, of finding recovery and food freedom and healing from whatever we're healing from, it can, it can be really powerful. Totally. It just feels like it makes us feel like we're not alone. Like I know I feel like so many women think that they're alone in these struggles, which is like not the case at all. But just having those people that you trust and are going through it or just are celebrating with you just makes it a little bit easier, I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm wondering then, do you have any favorite like resources? I know I didn't ask you this before. So if you're not prepared, that's okay. <laughs> but yeah, I'm wondering if you have any favorite resources, you know, obviously, aside from from scripture that really helped you kind of in your journey, whether it's with food freedom, or maybe with HA and working through that. Yeah, so my favorite book, I recommend to everyone with HA or anything like that is it's called No Period Now What? Um, and it's like literally it outlines a whole recovery process and all the scientific reasons why we need a period and all these things. And it's the exact recovery process that I like went through and you might've heard about the book. Um, but definitely it's, it's like a, it's a big book. It's a big read, but it was, that was really like what I say, like my life changing book other than the Bible, of course. Um, and then I'm sure you uh, talk about the book, but the intuitive eating book is just mm -hmm. like, it's a, the gold standard of like food freedom. So I always say like, definitely read that. I also love part of the French, but the fuck it diet, um, is also a really good one as well. I have not read that one yet, and it is on my list to read because I, yeah. I follow her on Instagram, and yeah, she's got some good stuff. So totally, that's awesome. Yeah, and you know what? I have I've not read that book, so I've obviously read Intuitive Eating, but um, No Period Now. What is that? What you said? Yeah, you so, have to. Okay, read, but, all right. Oh. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to read that, even though I have my period now. I love learning about our bodies, and I love having resources for other women who are struggling with that too. So I will definitely link those below. I like almost every episode, link the intuitive eating book. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, and they're coming out with a new edition. They just announced they that um, recently. I remember doing the I did the intuitive eating counselor course last year, and I remember Evelyn talking about like this is in the works, but don't tell anyone. And they just finally announced that they're coming out with a fourth edition. So it'll be fun to read that and see all of the the changes that they've made to um I mean they're not changing the basic principles but as we as it I think becomes more mainstream I think that there are so many more things that women are encountering on their journeys to intuitive eating and finding food freedom kind of like we talked about this you know in social media a lot of it harping on just eating whatever you want whatever you want but 
actually finding this balance. And I'm, so I'm interested in seeing kind of the changes they've made in our kind of in our society now, because the book's been around for 25 years cool. now. So, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be cool. Um, so I'm wondering if you have any just last advice for the listener who's wanting to live a life of food, faith, fitness, and freedom. I would say, like, I think so many women come to me and they're questioning if they're sick enough to recover or get help or whatever. And I think if you're questioning it, I think you like you are. Like, go with your gut. If you know that something's off or you think something's off, something's off. Like, no one ever thinks that maybe something's off and, it's, and everything is fine. Um, and then I would say just do it. Like I said, it's scary to stay stuck and it's scary to change, but change leads to life. So I know it's really hard to just do it. But And people always say, well, how do I just start? And there's really – honestly, there's really no way to just start than to just start, like, which is the hard part. Um, but you really just have to do it. Starting really is the hardest part, making that decision. But I always say every step forward or every step towards intuitive eating, every step towards food freedom is a positive step, right? Yes. So, Even um, baby steps still forward. Yes. Yeah. I love that. So I have three final little rapid fire questions. I mean, they don't have to be super quick. If you want to take longer, that's okay. Um, But like we were talking about before we even started recording, I love sharing that food can be joyful. Like we talked about both of us loving to cook and that, and obviously you're a food blogger, so that's a big part of your life. And I really want to share that, you know, food doesn't have to be everything, but it really can be a joyful part of our life. So I have three final questions for you. And the first one is... What is your favorite thing to cook? So it's like less about a favorite thing, but more about like a favorite style of cooking. And my favorite style of cooking is like Moroccan cuisine. I love mm. cooking in tagines and like couscous and those kind of like cumin, like cinnamon, um, allspice kind of flavors um, with like apricots and dates and stuff. Those are my favorite like kind of, I guess, flavors to cook. So I'm going to come over tonight then. Please. <laughs> You can make me a tagine. Okay. okay oh, sounds- I love Moroccan food and I don't, I don't cook it enough. Oh, oh my, my husband gosh. Loves it too, so I'm blessed. Yeah, it's so it. good. <laughs> so then what is your favorite thing to order or have someone else cook for you? Oh gosh. Um, again, it's like, I'm such a person that like, I never order the same thing twice. So I never go and like, I have to order a pasta. Like I want to go and I like to go, my husband and I are very ethnic people. So again, I'm going to say ethnic. Like we usually go for like. Indian or Asian or just anything. I just like to try. My favorite thing to order is something that I've never had before. Um, So I don't know if that answers your question, but something that is usually ethnic flavored and something that I've just never tried before and I want to just experience it. Oh, I love that. No, it totally answers my question. I love trying new places too. And we live on a pretty small island where we live and we've kind of, we've been to pretty much all of the, <laughs> this, yeah. all of the restaurants here. Um, actually right now we have something going on called restaurant week where they have like a three, I'm actually going oh, there yeah. tonight yeah. and they have like a three course menu for like 35 bucks and you get an appetizer, a dinner and a dessert. And I don't even look at the menu anymore and I just go and it's so fun to pick something new and to experience new things especially when it's kind of it's at a discount so you're like I can order whatever I want and I don't have to think about anything (laughs) it's so fun so I love I love trying new things too so I really love that that's a great answer (laughs) so the last question I have is we talk a lot here on the Healthy Balance Mama podcast about finding what I call your beautiful balance, which is just going beyond obsessing over food and finding nourishment and pleasure in food and life. And that's really what we've been talking about the whole podcast. But I'm wondering, what does your beautiful balance mean to you? 
So I would say similar to what you just said, like balance for me is wellness without obsession. Like I know that I am choosing to fuel my body and my mind um, with things that are nourishing for body, mind, and soul, but it's not obsessive. Um, if something doesn't fall in line with, you know, nourishing my body, mind, and soul, that's also okay. Um, and that's like, that's really how I define balance is really just that those, those few words like wellness without obsession. I don't know if that answers the question. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I oftentimes will say like nutrition without restriction or wellness without restriction or obsession. Yeah, because it really is about um, nourishing yourself, but without it being without it being everything or without it being obsessive. So I love that. Oh, well, thank you so much for being on. This was an incredible conversation. I am so excited to put this out there. I think the women will really benefit from the conversation well, the whole conversation, but really about finding finding what works for us uniquely, whether it's taking time off from exercise or eating our cauliflower oats because they make us feel good (laughs) and still having our food freedom. I love it. So could you just share where my listeners can find you? Sure. So my blog is foodfaithfitness.com. Instagram is at foodfaithfit for the recipes or at foodfaithfree um, for the food freedom stuff. Awesome. And do you have anything fun coming up that you want to share with the listeners? Uh, I do have, I do run food freedom boot camps, which is where I coach women's, uh, coach women like food, food, through food freedom that's coming up again in January. And then I also, also uh, I can't speak today. Also offer some free, um, like classes on that, which again will be coming up in January. Everything's kind of, um, off hold just for, you know, holiday season is a little bit crazy busy. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much what I got coming up. Oh, also a book. I'm writing a book. So that's coming up too. Oh, that's so exciting. Oh, awesome. Well, I cannot wait to read it whenever it comes out. <laughs> In June, next year, next June. So June still next go- year. Oh, awesome. Okay. Well, this will definitely be out before then. So yeah. <laughs> whenever it goes, do you know when it's going to go on pre-sale? Um, I have a marketing call next week, I think in December or January. So pretty soon. Cool. All right. Well, we will definitely link to that. So thank you again for being on. This was awesome. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. If you loved it, would you take a screenshot and share it with a friend over on Instagram and tag me in it? It helps me so much to know what you love and are taking away from each episode. If you really loved it, would you hop over to iTunes and give me a star rating and review? Every rating and review helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women who need to hear the message of balance and wellness without deprivation. It's the best free gift you could give me. And as a reminder, the information and opinions on this podcast are meant for education and inspiration only and are not to be taken as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult with a trusted practitioner before making any changes. Have a beautiful day, friend, and I'll see you in the next episode.